From the Shadow Rock for Tower, behind enemy lines in the belly of the Delaware away beast. Friends and comrades, this is your Highland Bunker, Island's Bunker podcast. We are bringing you another special edition of Kathy v. Kathy, The Trial. Um, trial day um, one, one A or 1B, um, the Dover part, the real trial, began today. Um, Bill Martin and I were there. Uh, so uh, this is Tuesday, 14 June, just about 10 p.m. Uh, it'll come out sometime tomorrow to give you guys uh, an update on uh, the state of Delaware v. State Auditor Kathy McGinnis. Uh, Bill, what's going on, man? GE, Robert. It's been a day. <laughs> yeah, let's, it's been get, a... let's get down to business. Let's get down to brass tacks. So we, we, had, to, uh, we had to scurry into the courtroom in Kent County, uh, courtroom number five, uh, this morning because I was in track. Actually, do you want to catch people up on how this occurred in the first place? How, Maybe how? As sort of a bridge from the last episode we recorded to this episode? Yeah, correct. So if you remember on the last episode we recorded about this, um, there was some arguments about change of venue, about... Um, you know where the where the trial should just be held. It wasn't really change of venue, like somebody can't get a fair trial, or for some other reason the defense brought it up because they were unsure where a state elected official charged with these types of crimes should be tried. Um, and so the AG's office decided, um, as we sort of predicted they might, or 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 we thought that they would, um, reindict uh, Auditor McGinnis in Kent County. Um, they were able to do that pretty quickly the next the next week, and then the following week, seat a jury, and we went to day one of the trial today. Um, so basically everything, the all of the attorneys, all of the arguments, the, um, the indictment, uh, the judge, the seated judge, uh, Judge Carpenter is still presiding. Um, so all of that's the same. We're just in a different uh, court. Um, and, you know, they picked a Kent County jury, but we never saw, obviously, they never sat the uh, Newcastle County jury. So it, well, we, we they were, were just, out there in the waiting room. Yeah, they were, they were there. I mean, it was supposed to start, so I'm sure they were pretty pissed off about it. But, um, so, so today, um, after, um, hustling down there and, and running into some traffic, um, we, uh, we saw the opening arguments in the morning. Uh, so, uh, AG, assistant AG Denny made his opening remarks, which was basically what we expected, just a blow by blow of, um, of the indictment, what the five charges are, what kind of evidence and witnesses they can expect, et cetera, et cetera. And then before lunch, um, Steve Wood made his defense opening argument, um, which I uh, characterized online as just basically indicating to me that the defense is going to be uh, multifaceted and spirited. Um, it was a lot of like, well, she didn't know and other people do this. And, you know, there's these other mechanisms, uh, by which, for example, uh, by which, uh, state agencies overspend contracts by even millions of dollars at some points where they can, after the fact, do addendums and be like, can you approve this now after the fact? And it usually gets done. So they're kind of pulling the you know, razzle-dazzle is what I call it, just trying to poke holes in pretty much anything that they can, which I think is a fairly 
common way to do this sort of criminal defense. Um, and then we took a break uh, for lunch, and we saw uh, our first set of prosecution witnesses. Um, before we get into the witnesses, I- I'll just say that the first day was very dry. Um, they're basically just called witnesses to establish um, what some of these reports are through HR, um, so they so that they could number one explain what these reports are, how they work, how state employees are categorized between full-time employees and temporary employees that they call seasonal or casual employees, and how and how they would get paid, and so. Uh, they brought up a series of um, a series of data people and HR people um, to sort of explain how all of this works. Um, Bill, do you want to talk about some of the things that they're tr- that it seems like Denny's trying to establish with bringing these bringing these folks up? Yeah, so I think right now I think Rob laid out a pretty good description. I mean, the day was rather dry, especially the afternoon. We're we're dealing with count one, which is a very boring way of um, proving that or disproving that Kathy's uh, daughter was paid either an unfair salary or a fair salary for showing up for the job or not showing up for the job. And also she had like a friend from high school who's also involved here. Uh, It got very boring in the afternoon, but uh, just to kind of return to the opening arguments, I feel like both, um, both the AG's office and the defense sort of had their, their strong points and their foibles. Um, I, I don't know. There were some, there, there were some flaws in the prosecution's opening argument. I wrote down this. There was just one PowerPoint slide that say that said they witnessed she did. So I'm going to juxtapose that against uh, the defense's opening argument slide, which was a very classic, the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And so that's kind of like setting the tone for the jury. I think we're kind of trying to dumb things down, trying to make things simplified a bit. Um, yeah. So I think that's kind of where, where we were today. We're, we're talking about finances. We're talking about very boring uh, hourly rates for seasonal Casual employees. Is that right, Rob? Yeah. So it comes. It, it sort of breaks down like this. There are there are two little snippets of information that they're trying to poke around these reports and 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 sort of establish. One is that hourly seasonal temporary employees, as as all of these people were, uh, cannot as a as a rule. It's not a hard rule, but as a, as when you set up these these roles. Um, as temporary jobs, they all can't. They, none of them can work by budget rules, by OMB rules, more than thirty hours a week. So when they're entered into the system, generally they're entered at twenty nine hours, uh, twenty nine seventy five, twenty nine hours and seventy five. Um. Yes. So that's what they can work in a, in a week, generally. Now, some seasonal employees really do, you know, they work, say, 10 or 15 hours a week, and they put that in there, but there's a default of twenty nine seventy five. Whereas full-time employees, salaried employees, elected officials, merit employees, all of those, they are coded in 37.5. 
So you have the twenty, the, the twenty-nine versus the thirty-seven, and what they established was that in the that all other seasonal employees were 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 set up by the Office of Auditor of Accounts at something at either twenty-nine point seven five or less, whereas Kathy's daughter um, Sailor and her friend Virginia were set no actually our friend Virginia I'm not sure I had to double check that but her yeah but but they also, were, when you say sailor do you mean Elizabeth <laughs> so there was a little they brought they brought up they brought up the data the, like the the woman who runs all the data for and is the data administrator for the state payroll um department which is like a pretty big deal and of course they're using when you look at the the person's ID it's Elizabeth um, McGinnis and Steve Wood is cross-examining her and keeps saying Skyler, and she's like, "I had to just for the for the sailor, record, I don't, sailor, sta- You've sailor." Been watching too much Breaking Bad, Robert. Sorry, buddy. Um, yeah, so so she says, "I don't know who this sailor is," and he's like, "Well, can we just stipulate that they're the same person?" She's like, "Well, I don't know that." And so Wood says, "Well, don't you think that uh, Prosecutor Denny uh, would object if it wasn't?" She's like, "I don't know." So it was just this this weird exchange where. Um, the date, the woman who runs the data was just being a little pedantic about it. Like everybody kind of knows, but she doesn't want to, she wants to be very precise. Cause I guess when you're sitting up there, you feel like you don't want to, you want to be as, as precise as you can. Like that's the place you would say something like that. But that was, that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, so for some reason, um, sailors, uh, max hours matched a full-time person rather than a temporary person. Now... Seasonal casual. I just say temporary just because it's easier, but they they call it seasonal casual. So now what the defense showed was that that doesn't really matter. You get paid the hours you work. There's no, like, red flag. Your check doesn't stop. So if it says 20 and you work 25, you still get paid for 25. If it says 29.75 and you work 35, you still get paid for it. Um, But what they did establish was that that number comes from uh, them setting up, it comes from the auditor of accounts when they're setting up that job. So it got set up, um, look like a full-time job, which is just kind of odd. Um, the other thing they established by looking at these records was that the two, uh, the, the two other casual seasonal employees at the time were making $15 and 45 cents an hour. Uh, whereas Sailor and her friend Virginia were making seventeen fifty, I think. Um, and on cross, all all Wood was saying well, was like, we don't have the other times. Like what was happening in like in two thousand nineteen or two thousand. He was like, well, we weren't really looking at that. Like I don't know why that would even be relevant, but that's he's trying to do like a little razzle dazzle there. But yeah, it was just basically a lot of dry information about how jobs are coded. Um, how with the difference between full-time equivalents and casual seasonal jobs and how there's just these discrepancies within, uh, with, within Sailor McGinnis and Virginia. Her last name is, uh, let's see, I have it written down here. Virginia Bateman is her name. Um, they were set up, you know, a little bit, a little bit different. Um, you know, I'm 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 excited to learn some of the some of the other anomalies because um, you know it was it was mentioned that um, 
you know, she didn't log in through the VPN or swipe herself into the building with her with her key card. Uh, but there's just like random emails from her Gmail account saying go on Canva and like fix this PowerPoint presentation or like enter these people into this spreadsheet, which I guess she could do like offline. And the other thing was working the working the booze at the state fair. That that's going to be a funny like breaking down the time that she like set up the tent. And like handed out stuff like that could potentially be very funny. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, I thought that the the state fair type stuff. Like, what were you actually doing? So I guess I'll go back. Yeah, they. Uh, it's it's good to know, and some like local heads will appreciate this. Kathy's personal email is an AOL.com address, and she <laughs> yeah, we, will email her daughter. I imagine they think this is like a way to circumvent like rules if it's like i email my daughter at her gmail address using my aol.com address um so that was one thing that we did see on the screen and then yeah it's like there were there were weeks or two week periods where you know kathy's daughter would work like 60 hours um and it was because she was at the state fair doing things for the auditor of accounts and i keep going back to something that i asked um kathy jennings how many months ago is kathy's politicking politicking electioneering wound up in this whole thing because you know kathy's not going to the state fair to just spread the word about the auditor of accounts it's a it's a long-term grift to basically you know uh, you know elect me again (laughs) um so she's having her daughter essentially do sort of dual roles here working for the auditor of accounts getting money getting a car uh and then also basically campaigning I think for whatever Kathy's next move is. So I don't know. And that will never come up in this trial because that would bring up uh, the ire of a lot of other people. Yeah. And one of, one of Steve Wood's points in his opening argument was that, you know, um, hiring, you know, nepotism, he never used the word nepotism, but he said, you know, hiring your family members is not illegal. Um, you know, all of this stuff, you know, being a bad boss is not illegal, uh, et cetera, et cetera, which was interesting uh, because I think that's the, what some people are going to sort of take out of it is, you know, the, the, the way that that she was that she acts. Um, we, we talked a lot about that. She 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 um, she she has an error about her and the way that she like looks at the jury when the jury comes in and the jury goes out is a, is a little bit strange. I mean, what's your what was your take on that? I, I found it. You were we had to sit sort of separated because the, the the courtroom is much smaller than the courtroom in Wilmington we were in, and so it was pretty jam packed. And you were on the other side, sort of behind her. And oddly, I heard another attorney on our side say it's a little weird. She was sitting all the way to the right of the defense table, where normally the defendant doesn't sit all the way in the middle next to the podium where. You know, the the attorney who the counsel who's questioning a witness would stand. But she's like wanted to get as close, I guess, to the jury as possible or she didn't like her vantage point in some fashion. Um, So she's all the way basically next to the podium and next to the the prosecution table. And, yeah, she just has this air and the way she looks at people like like uh, I know it's 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 it's, it felt condescending to me. I know you took it as like just smiling and try to trying to like. Uh, I guess develop some sort of like unspoken rapport. I got a I got a bad sense out of it. So maybe I and maybe that was my maybe that's my sort of um, 
you know, my bias or, or, or something. And, and I told you actually at the break, I don't like judging people just like how they're acting or how they're looking when I don't really know them. I've never really interacted with them. Uh, but it was, a, it was an odd, I, I found her, I found the way she carried herself a little bit strange. Yeah, I did too. I mean, I mean, obviously that's why she's the enigma that she is. It's like, there's something very strange afoot here, uh, which is why we're, you know, going to Dover uh, ultimately. But I, th- I think that she, um, she has a certain warmth. I think she has a sort of a throwback to this sort of uh, retail politic uh, persona that like a lot of Delawareans enjoy. And this feels like the last gasp of it where it's like you're being you've been you've been indicted for five criminal counts and you're sort of trying to use the retail uh, retail politic smile at this jury right like trying to be warm and open and uh, um you know empathetic and you know i think at heart you know she could be a rather cruel person or she could be uh you know a criminal of, of some sort, whether it's a misdemeanor or a felony or whatever. Um, but yeah, something feels very strange there. Again, just the whole, the Jackie O persona and the sort of fake smile, the fake pearls and just everything just feels like a little bit like we're, it's like a costume. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was pretty strange. Um, one of the things I want to bring up so everybody can kind of, um, get ready for it at some point is um, the the lead investigator in the for this AG team is a guy called Frank Robinson. Easy to remember. It's the same guy who won the batting championship in both leagues. <laughs> it's not the same guy, uh, uh, but he every like the uh, we we know through uh, just basically eavesdropping. Uh, he's not well liked in the in the obviously in the in the Ka- uh, Kathy McGinnis camp, um, but also today in opening arguments, one of the little tidbits of information was that this guy's you know he he had his he had he knew what he wanted to do from the beginning. He lied on the search warrant application, for example. One of the things they point out is w- one of the structuring uh, limits is. To, to when you you pay these contracts out is under fifty grand or any payment below five thousand dollars doesn't doesn't get reviewed. Well, ultimately the payment out to the uh, my campaign group was fifty one thousand. They actually paid an extra three thousand dollars or something or two thousand dollars off of a state credit card to a PayPal account that put the uh, put the put the amount over forty nine nine. Which was forty nine nine was the the number that was put on the original indictment as you know obvious structuring, and I, I don't. It's very strange to me why I don't know what they're trying to say about that. I don't know if they're trying to say that it's not structuring or it's just some anomaly that they knew about but didn't include in the aggregate just to make them look sloppy. Um, but yeah, I mean. Get ready, folks, because Steve Wood is going to throw the fucking kitchen sink at this guy, Frank Robinson. I, I just I can feel it in my bones. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, he's like sort of the villain here. I think he's yeah, he's the villain that the defense team's going to go against because he lied under oath. Apparently, he lied on the search warrant of Kathy's office, and like <laughs> it's always one of those difficult situations where it's like, well, the defendant here was obviously doing crimes. But there is this sort of wrench in the mix 
that's maybe going to, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, get her off on doing crimes because he fucked up. And I think that's going to become the gist. Because today, Rob, I don't know, man, I couldn't follow anything. And I'm not even on the jury. But all this, they're asking them to do uh, simple multiplication and division. We're looking at spreadsheets from Excel that have both uh, front pages and back pages. And then they take 15 minutes to try and label them correctly. And it's like, you know, you've had you've had a few months to get this shit prepared, right? And there are like eight lawyers at the tables right here. So why didn't anyone figure this this stuff out yet? So yeah, I have to tell you, one of the one of the reports was just a they would run a query so they could get all the information for each employee in a pay period. But but the so now you just have as you, if anybody has seen an Excel spreadsheet, you just have columns of variables and rows that are like the pay period. So it has like the ending of the pay period, the date that the direct deposit went in, the person's unique ID, uh, the, the department they worked for, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But then you know the the business end of it is how many hours did they work and what did they get paid, which was in the la- which was in the last two columns, which went into another page. So we're looking at each other like, just shrink the columns down or something. Like, shrink to fit or move your page break or something. Why is this happening? Plus, the names got cut off the top, so the the expert witness had to match the IDs with the names and then write the names on them. That we had to take a recess for that. It was yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a it was a clusterfuck. They lost the exhibits for ninety seconds. They didn't know where they were. Like literally, the, that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, you you <laughs> caught that. You caught Carpenter on that. And that was a good one. They're yeah, just, uh, they're walking around like looking under stacks of papers. Yeah, Mark Denny like just accidentally stepped into like two buckets of mop water and was just like, I don't know where this is right now. And Judge Carpenter's like, Mark, it's in your binder. I can see the stickers right now. Um, and again, hey, I'm not a litigator, <laughs> so I don't know if I could be doing this. But um, yeah, it was not the most impressive day one from honestly either side. No, and I'll I'll make one point about the jury before we go, just so everybody kind of gets a feel for it. Um, first, the first the makeup of the jury, and then the question you asked me, which I think is going to go through all of this kind of stuff, and what my thoughts were. The, the jury um, is twelve people and five alternates, so there's seventeen. Um, there's seven women, ten men. It looks like a pretty good mix. There's a, there's a there's a few young guys. There's some older people, as you would imagine. Um, I think. I mean, you can you can't really tell, but there's six or seven uh, people of color that are are mixed in through there. So it's a, it's a very diverse jury, it seems to me. Um, but this was an extremely boring day, and Bill asked me as we walked out, like, what do you think the jury made of it? Like, did they glean anything from the evidence today? And again, we can talk about, like, okay, well, this person was coded in. To be able to work more hours, but they didn't really. Uh, and this person, you know, they they got paid two dollars an hour more than the people before. And then, but but like, I, I don't know what the jury walked away with. And my only point to 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 uh, Bill, and I want to get his uh, opinion on it, was, you know, will they retain some of this so that when we get to closing? And they make their final arguments. Denny can then walk through and say, "Okay, this person told you this. These two people made, you know, uh, fifteen forty-five an hour, and these two people made seventeen fifty an hour. This person was coded as a casual uh, 
seasonal employee at 20 hours or 25 hours max. Um, her daughter and her daughter's friend got they have to be, you know, a, a document is filled out and then that's in, input into the system at the max hours for a full-time person. So, like, are they, he's, he's going to, I'm sure in a week's time, you know, this time next week when closing arguments are happening, he's going to walk through all of this, but are they going to retain some of this sort of, like, this, this, the way that this was presented was not a clean way to do it. We're kind of piecing it together at the end of the day, and I don't know what they're going to get from it. Yeah, no, I thought it was pretty dog shit. Like, I think that, I think the argument that Mark Denny and his colleagues are trying to make is, I mean, well, I think this is the argument from the indictment is that. Kathy fired able employees to install a daughter and a daughter's friend to either work or to not work or to show up for campaign events or to show up for the state fair or whatever. And I think that's the argument they're trying to make. We're bickering over like halves of an hour and salary. And I don't know if I got, it hasn't, they haven't connected the dots for me yet. I think I know what they're sort of trying to do, but if you want to make sort of an emotional appeal, this is, yeah, Kathy put her daughter in and a daughter's friend in when they're going, the summer they're going away to college, when you're just, you know, hanging out, going to Dewey, uh, you know, doing some Canva on the side. Um, but you're also, it's also during a pandemic, so you have sort of a reason to fire or furlough people who have been in your office for a few years. Uh, I don't think that's connected yet. And maybe when if and when, you know, Kathy's daughter and if this woman, Virginia, if they are witnesses, maybe the jurors will be able to kind of connect two and two. But if I walked, I walked away today, I don't know what I'd be doing. I'd be going back to the hotel room and just watching Frazier or something. Like, I wouldn't want to think about this case at all anymore. Yeah. I mean, it I made was, no sense. Yeah. And, and again, we had to, we had to duck out about a half hour early and the and I and the the witness that was on the stand when we ducked out was this uh, woman uh, Donna Grossman who who is basically in charge of all like building security and, and the building services so they started talking about how the swipe cards work to get in and, in and out and I'm like yeah I mean they're going to make the argument that she didn't swipe her way into the building at any point but uh, as as was said yeah I mean you could work remotely you could work remotely without being on the VPN um, that was one of the funny things is that, you know, they're just pulling up just random emails from Gmail and AOL with Kathy telling her daughter to do something in Canva or like go into a spreadsheet. So they're like, oh, she's go She's doing it. She's doing work. This is this this text message says so, you know, so that was a, that was a little bit, um, I, th I think, convoluted. Um, I do want to mention one last thing uh, because I know everybody loves the uh, the confidentiality. Uh, thing and that came up uh, in in opening arguments because um, Steve Wood pulled up like I don't know like meeting minutes from two years ago where the first um, the first thing for a staff meeting was like uh, we have to be ha treat uh, data in a confidential way so he's like confidentiality is not which again he's correct like there is a reason for an office like that. To reinforce the idea that we're dealing with, you know, we're dealing with a lot of private information, and so we want to make sure that that's not discussed. Um, so, especially if you're auditing, like, if you're auditing state agencies, like with people's uh, names, DOBs, salary associated with it, that's what should be confidential. 
Right. Not whatever Kathy's talking about. But sorry, I'll let you right. Finish. No, no, you're you're right. I mean, this is like the razzle dazzle, right? Like like that that that's what so you can say, well, she didn't really know like they they had a car because they were taking turns driving Kathy to the office. Or or whatever. Like it was it was all it's all like uh, there's all some other there's either there's either a, a very good explanation for why this happened. Um, they didn't know why it happened. Um, other people do it. Uh, Kathy didn't know she was doing something wrong. Um, and again, <clears throat> my, I, I, if I'm a juror, I mean, they make they make great pains to sort of say like there has to be some like they they talked about this for the witness tampering. Like, why would you intimidate? A, why would you intimidate your staff if you didn't know you were under investigation? Well, if you if you didn't just because you didn't know you were under investigation for the crimes, you might still think you're doing shady stuff that may or may not be cool. Like you may think you're going to get away with paying your daughter and her friend a little bit more, or giving them a car, or you know funneling a little bit of money to this you know uh, this you know uh, support services contract that you that you know. And so maybe you don't think it's a crime, but you don't want people to be like, you just want to do what you want to do. I, I, I don't, I don't know whether that's going to fly with like a regular person who works in an off or works a job. Like you don't necessarily need to be like, oh, now I'm under investigation. Don't talk to the cops. It's more like, yeah, don't spread a lot of rumors about what I'm doing. Like, but, and, but maybe that definition that I'm saying doesn't fit the doesn't fit the the exact definition of the crime and so that's what they're going to hang their hang their hat on is that if she didn't know she was under investigation she can't she can't intimidate anybody she's just a bad boss then or a mean person but not a criminal that's i think that was the point he was trying to make but i don't know it was very all of these arguments uh, maybe because they're extremely convoluted but also because, as I've said on many times, many times, and Bill just said it, it's really about paying people like two dollars an hour more for like, and it's not full time. You know, it's over. So literally, it's a few thousand dollars here and there, um, or as they said, the, the forty or fifty thousand dollars that they paid to my campaign group. This happens all the time. You know, you have a campaign advisor who also does policy advising, strategy advising for you as, as the auditor where they also did campaign stuff for you as a as a candidate. And so this because this happens all the time, um I I I I'm I'm interested to see how when the defense makes its case, they're going to present it because he Steve Wood did allude to some of the witnesses that could be called, which were a little bit interesting um from from other agencies. I don't know, you might want to mention that cuz that could get exciting too. Oh, I was just thinking about, you mentioned my campaign group, which uh, for for new listeners or even some of the old ones, this is the one, I'm still confused, Rob, basically got paid over $50,000 for a contract from the auditor's office. And whether it was designed to be a contract that was $49,000 or more or less, whatever, this person got more than 50, 50K, so it did not receive sort of um, oversight. Um, but uh, shit, what was I going to say? Um, I think that it's, I don't know. It's funny that um, Steve Wood brought up the fact that my campaign group represented, or is like, was, it was a contractee of 
uh, Governor Jack Markell when he was the treasurer or something. It was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, they've been uh, they've been in Delaware politics for years. And it's like, like that's a justification for it. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, it, 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 there was these weird payments, too. Like every time a payment would come due, they would take like some of like the budgeted money. Then they would take some of the covid funds they got. And then at the the last payment was done on a on an auditor of accounts like state credit card, but so an employee employee was did just, it. yeah. So they they basically told an employee to pay that via a their state credit card via PayPal, uh, and it just all of this aggregate stuff like winds up yeah winds up being about fifty fifty two grand. Um, but yeah, it's just I, I don't know. Again, I, I I appreciate the fact that. Um, they're trying to uh, hold somebody accountable who's in the public trust. That's what they keep saying. But I, 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 I'm, I'm, I think this one's a little far fetched, and I, and I think people are going to have trouble. I think they're going to have trouble, like really thinking like this was that serious. Even if they think, well, this is a little weird. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe the jury will be like, yeah, this is horrible. Um, and you know, Steve Wood said, "Don't, don't take it. Don't you can't like, you can't uh, knock my client because she's an elected official. If you don't like people who are elected officials, or because she's a mean boss, or whatever, uh, or or maybe you think that she didn't do her job well, or whatever it is. But none of those are like crimes. None of those, none of those are criminal stuff. So, you know, we'll 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 see where it goes and and, and where it picks up. I I think they're gonna. I think tomorrow, you know, we go again." Um, tomorrow I can tell everyone that, um, we're, we're taking the 301 express bus from Wilmington. So we're going to do a, like a bus field trip, like a magic bus, like a Ken Kesey, like electric Kool-Aid acid test sort of situation. Um, I'm going to throw the water fountain out of the window of the bus. Once we get to like, uh, what is it? Is it the Mike Castle bridge? The Bill Roth bridge. The Bill Roth bridge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Just watch Uh, out for that water fountain. Yeah, it'll be coming down probably around uh, probably around quarter to eight tomorrow morning uh, in this into the CND Canal. So if you want to go out there and check it out, um, it'll be there. Um, yeah, I think I think that covers it for today. Um, we're gonna we're gonna keep going down and trying to give you sort of the inside scoop. Um, I think one of the reasons we're doing this is because it, while this is sort of like a convoluted sort of uh, more gossipy than than real meat on the bone here. I do think it speaks to Delaware politics uh, in general. Um, Bill just said it himself. He was like, well, you know, Jack Markell had a similar situation, and this group, you know, Matt Den, Matt Den was had the same situation. Um, you know, uh, other, other, other agencies have overpaid contracts by millions of dollars and just, and just filed afterwards an, an addendum uh, you know, or an extension or like a mea culpa and that, you know, this goes away. So, yeah, I mean, it it does give you, I, I think, uh, if you pay attention, it gives you a little bit of a look into how these people really operate their little, their agencies um, uh, at, at, in little fiefdoms. Because, you know, when you actually, um, and, and, and again, I'm, I'm pro-democracy. I'm not like a technocrat. I don't want to just pick experts, like consensus experts to do every job. Um, I don't like it. I, we talked about it with Hal Weitzman. We need more elected people so we can elect them out. 
But the, so that's important. I don't just want technocrats. But when we elect people in, we really have to uh, to look at the, the type of person uh, that we're that you know that we're electing, and it's not somebody who, you know, some rube saw at the state fair and like she winked at him, uh, and she knows she goes down to the beach and knows Pete Schwartzkopf. Uh, you know, that's not. This is going to continue. We're going to continually be in this situation with our elected officials, uh, unless somebody stands up and be like, look. Stop doing this kind of fucking shit. Uh, it's not appropriate. It's not getting anywhere. And people don't like it. But like, is this, but I have to juxtapose that against like, are these really crimes? Is this the, is this the, is this the situation in which to put your foot down and say, you know, we have to do something. I, I really don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we need more politicians like Medina who I can text and be like, I'm going to take your parking spot today and Dover. Did you and, do that? Uh, no, I didn't. Of course not. <laughs> Never mind. Um, but I did just want, before we jet, I wanted to um, kind of give a shout out. It was cool to meet uh, Rachel Sawicki today for the first time. We're going to talk journos. Lex, as always. Uh, Rachel from Delaware Public Media. Um, I guess we also had, we had Celia Cohen from uh, the 1997 website, Delaware Grapevine. We had someone there from the Funscape on Naaman's Road. Um we had, <laughs> who else did we have today? The Port Pen Picayune was back. Picayune, yeah, please support your local Picayune. Um, and then, you know, the last thing I wanted to say, which was something that Steve Wood said in his opening statement, is that if you're a nephew or a niece, open a joint checking account with your uncle. Because it's very regular to have an uncle-nephew joint bank account that money can de- can be deposited in. So I think that, you know, that's sort of my financial tip for the week. Yes, that was that was very important. Folks, uh, the last thing I'm going to say is, um, look, we have a lot of fun doing this. Um, it is, uh, a, I enjoy myself. We, we, we definitely enjoy it. Um, but we're giving you coverage of this, like, daily uh, sort of commentary on it that you're not going to get anywhere else. Lex is writing great stories. Rachel's writing great stories, and they're following it in the way in in the, in in the way that they do it for the platforms that they do it for. This is completely different. So if you could help us out and throw us five bucks a month on Patreon.com/slash The Highlands Bunker, it would really help us continue to do this kind of stuff. And you you will get um, sort of a different perspective. You'll get a different kind of media that will be that will help you supplement maybe what you read from Lex Wilson, say. So, um, yeah, think about doing that. And while you do that, always remember that left is best. <laughs>